Backyard Green Films is proud to present this episode of Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Alara and her husband, Rick, travel throughout the land in their travel trailer, which they have nicknamed Bessie, bringing you stories about their travels and the people they meet. They visit farmers, ranchers, and just about anyone who loves putting their hands in the dirt or their feet in stirrups. In those travels, they have gotten to meet some very interesting people. Here's one of those interviews. Hi, this is Alara. Welcome back to our podcast. We're almost done with September already, and soon it's going to be October. Where on earth did this year go? The black hole into which time and half the hair on my head disappeared this year started in January. Okay, January of 2020. And the pull has not slowed for a while now. I'm sure it's a principle in physics somewhere that the agonizing heat speeds up that inexorable gravitational process as well. Both the time drain and the hair down the drain part, I'm sure. But this year is going fast, regardless of whether the physics holds true or not. Since I inhabit the financial universe in my other life, I can celebrate the arrival of the last part of the year in a way that I share with every bookkeeper and accountant in America. It's both stressful and joyous to us because the last gasp of tax season comes to a close with the Internal Revenue Service's expiration of clemency for all the procrastinators. The six-month extensions that were granted to March and April filers ends on September 15th for the corporate and partnership returns and October 15th for the individuals. I'm not throwing stones on that one because I'm one of said procrastinators every single year. It's kind of like the barber whose hair is always long because he's always busy cutting everybody else's. But this time is much looked forward to by the people in the tax and financial realms because it represents a short period of respite from what can be a pretty intense, pressure-filled job. People everywhere depend on financial accounting for many reasons, some of which you may have experienced and some not. People might need to gauge cash flow or figure out how much income is needed to buy groceries or hay or books at the kids' school. It might be to figure out if you can afford a trip to L.A. for the Lady Gaga show. FYI, the travel's the cheap part on that one. Wait till you try to buy tickets. But sometimes the money in and out part can often be the most difficult to pull off, but the easiest to figure out. The other part, the one you usually hire someone else to do because it's so excruciatingly painful, is the one that everyone dreads. It's the collection of financial data, usually for a required purpose. Your annual tax return, a mortgage, a school loan, insurance verification, valuation of assets in case of a divorce or a prenup or a sale of a property or a business. Collecting all that necessary, yet usually out of sight, out of mind information can be a grueling process. And as a side note, The task may seem huge to you, but for the accountant, who not only has to chase you down for it, but put it all together in a consolidated and easily understood fashion, it can be a Herculean task. I just had to say it. All of that information, though, is really important, not just for Uncle Sam's benefit, but often for the person doing the collecting, you. The way most people can understand that one is when they borrow. It could be for a house, a farm, a tractor, new genetics in your herd, or just to make payroll. Even if you've been through the loan process, you've learned to try to not to have to do it again. 
The pain doesn't stop with trying to find someone willing to give you a loan. It continues with the data collection, and it ends when you have 467 pages of fine print to read before you sign. Hopefully, you get there in one piece. For today's podcast, we have a gentleman who's decided to help others with the painful process we've just described and has made it a part of his life's work. I cannot answer for his sanity in choosing that particular career any more than I can defend my decision to work in the tax universe. Both seem equally challenging to getting home on time for dinner or having a weekend experience. But in any case, his name is Scott Stewart, and he's a managing director for the National Livestock Producers Association. We met at the American Sheep Industry Association's 2022 convention, which was ever so conveniently held in San Diego, California this last January. Scott will tell you more about the nonprofit NLPA and the Sheep and Goat Innovation Fund's goals. From the NLPA's website, here is their mission statement. To be the national livestock organization that provides a strong voice to protect a positive business environment and fair, competitive markets on behalf of its members through financial services, communication, and advocacy. There are a lot of words in that statement that sound uplifting to many of us, even the non-accountants, regardless of the season. Here is Scott Stewart. Introduce yourself, please. Yes, I'm Scott Stewart, and I serve as the Managing Director of the National Livestock Producers Association, which manages the Sheep and Goat Innovation Fund. Which explains why you're here in San Diego this week. We're here in San Diego this week because obviously the sheep world is in San Diego this week, and uh, our primary function as the Sheep and Goat Innovation Fund is to work with sheep and goat producers and all of the other products that come from them in helping finance their operations and make them more innovative and profitable. Well, so innovation is something that can and cannot be applied to agriculture as a whole <laughs> because it's a very, it's a big combination of traditional people and not so traditional people. We just got done uh, uh, listening to a genetics panel with some really progressive concepts there. Right. So you handle all sides of this. Tell me, tell me some of the types of projects that, that you are in charge of. Well, speaking of innovation, some of the things that we've been able to do with sheep producers especially is We've uh, provided financing for some genetics operations that had a very specific uh, line of genetics that, that they developed and, and marketed, and we were able to help them. In other areas, a lot of it is operational. Um, at every level, there's innovation, whether you're very traditional or you're very non-traditional. There's innovation. We're able to help with equipment. We're able to help um, with marketing loans and so forth so that they can be more productive in their marketing efforts uh, and not be short of cash while they're doing that. So we come in and help finance that part of it. Uh, well, okay, now you're talking to an independent media production person, so you're talking about financing. <laughs> do you do things like that? We, our primary purpose is to provide loans for operations that either want to grow their flocks, grow their herds, or if they want to bring a new and innovative product to market and uh, or expand a, a current production method for uh, some of those products that they may have. Some of the things that we've been involved in is providing funding for and financing for uh, small fiber operations uh, that you know, go from, from uh, harvesting their own wool to carting it and spinning it and, and, and bringing it to market that way. And so to be able to do that, 
they have to have a good source of, of financing uh, in going forward, so we provide those loans for them to do that. Okay, so it just sounds like you're a bank. Is that so limiting? We're, we're, we're similar to a bank, but we're created by the sheep and goat industries in the late 1990s. We've been in operation for about 21 years now, and our sole purpose is to provide financing and or loans to the sheep and goat industries to help them either rebuild infrastructure or, as I say, bring new innovations to market and, and help them market that. So we are a bank, if you will, but only for the sheep and goat industries here in the United States. But there's some really, there's some really difficult things on the small scale and the large scale. At least to my mind, there are some truly difficult concepts that small farming in general and sheep and goat people are having to deal with right now. One of them is this transition from a traditional form of, of livestock management and marketing to something that is it requires an incredible amount of technical knowledge. There's social media that's necessary. There's content you have to get out there. You have to find your market to sell your product. You have to deal with the paperwork and file tax returns and there's credits that you have. So do you help people with that kind of thing? Because that's not, that, that's a very much a part of farming. Unless you can make your overhead by selling product, yeah. you're not going to make it. Yeah. So do you help with that? We do. In fact, uh, one of the things that you mentioned there was just that needing the knowledge and the know-how to do, uh, you know, effective marketing and production in, in this era. You know, in every era it changes. I mean, we're, we continue to to uh, expand technologically and other ways to, to help the industry. What we do is we work with the American Sheep Industry Association to where if we have either young or new uh, producers that want to come into business, we will match them with a mentor from the organization, a specialist, to provide them that technical information they need, and then we can assist them, as I say, with the financing and the funding to, to bring their operation up to a profitable level. We can finance their sheep or goats, whatever the, the business they're in. We can finance equipment that they may need. Uh, those types of things where we can provide that uh, needed resource for them, whereas the knowledge and a lot of the other technical resources are available, as I say, through ASI, or in some, some uh, states, of course, still the, uh, the Cooperative Extension Service is still a good resource for them. Okay, so I'm going to give you an example here that uh, we've been talking to Joy and Martin Daly up in Oregon, and they brought the Gotland into, you know, they did a breed-up program, and now they're in the process of doing that same thing with the Valley Black Nose. Okay. So there's quite a bit of paperwork that's involved in something like that, because they have to deal with import um, requirements and scrapey requirements, and the embryo transfer is the big thing now, because you gain a couple generations and you're, and, you're, and you're ahead of the game. But there's a huge market opportunity for them if they can capture this. So can they come to you and say, look, we need funding to go and pay the attorney's fees, or pay, you Know, for quarantine, it, can they do that with things like that, or is it just mostly it's going to be just buying the livestock? Type no, thing? it's no. To answer your question, absolutely, they can. There's all sorts of financing vehicles that we have to to help them with. There are some some operations that are needing that startup capital and in the development capital to to get to that level to be become uh, a marketers of of whatever if it's a product or or certainly their animals or their genetics. So those types of loans. We have uh, made it a, a specialty, really, to be as flexible as possible and work with any size of producer and any type of a, a structure that they may need as they're scaling up into a productive uh, uh, operation. Okay, are you a non? Are you a nonprofit or? Are you 
we're a nonprofit organization. We're a 501c5 organization, which means we're a farm organization that, you know, to, to help uh, producers become more profitable. Okay, so did that then, then I'm going to ask, do you also do grant funding for people? And if so, under what criteria would you do that? We do not do grant funding. However, um, a sister organization, the National Sheep Industry Improvement Center, does provide grant opportunities. And in the past, we've been able to work with a combination of grants and loans, grants from that entity and loans from our entity to, uh, uh, to bring productive operations into existence. Those grants, you brought up the, the issue of uh, you know, some of the initial paperwork and the startup and, and all of that. That's where the grant comes into a, a, you know, a, a real meaningful part of that process at that front end. But then on the back end, that's built some collateral and some, some creditability for us to, to then take and, and finance from then forward. Okay, so what other types of things other than loans does your organization really, are, do you excel at? We can introduce and work in cooperation with a particular borrower in our case or grantee in their, their case. Uh, we can work with that in, in, in concert to, to bring something to fruition. We are only in the lending business. We don't do anything other than, we don't do loan guarantees, we don't do uh, any kind of specialty. Uh, work like that. They're strictly loans, but as I say, uh, they're very flexible like loans. We can, when the reps we can and the producers set them up for any length of time, and, and certainly the, one of the things that the industry, uh, one of its focuses to begin with was to have an affordable loan program to help the industry. So we try to keep our interest rates as reasonable as possible. Like um, you know, they're not maybe yellow. always the lowest out there, but they're certainly thank you to uh, very the affordable interest rates, and, and, amazing and uh, we, all we look to help those producers in that way. Okay, and for young people, it's very difficult to get a loan for land or, you know, any kind of capital because you really don't have enough experience to put on right. paper. Right. So do you, do you take that into consideration when you give loans? We do, absolutely, and especially with, with younger folks that are coming into the business, uh, you know, especially if they have a, fa a family member in the business, a parent or a grandparent or whatever the case may be, so there's some expertise there to help them along that way. That comes into to the equation in a very strong way because, you know, our lending committee looks at, you know, certain things. Obviously, you want some collateral for a loan. You want, credit, you know, a credible borrower. You want character. But you also need that, that understanding of the business to where they're not just jumping into something that they don't know. Yeah, if that's yeah. it makes a huge difference though, but it's a very it's a very ethereal type thing and yet it makes a huge difference if you have somebody there to kind of show you the way, a parent or grandparent. Absolutely. Oh, no no doubt about it. The other part of that is too, again, we are in the lending business and we have to secure the loans that are that are there. So in many cases there are other it could be a family member or, or partner that uh, would help guarantee that loan to where even though that producer that's just starting or expanding may not have the full uh, collateral values that we're needing, you know, through loan guarantees and whatnot, through other members, we can make that work as well. So would you list some of the organizations that, because it seems like this is kind of almost you're the pot into which all things go and they kind of swirl around a little bit, or if you facilitate people to be able to um, make connections that will help them to be successful if they're raising sheep or goats, so that, would you feel like that's the case? Because I'm, I'm looking at your board and I'm listening to some of the names that you tossed out. It was almost like I could come over here in the lobby and say, hey, I need this thing, where would you send me? <laughs> is that just you or is that the organization? Well, it's both, I think. We have been in the livestock 
business for many years. And when I say we, I mean the National Livestock Producers Association is a 100-year-old organization of cooperative livestock markets and credit entities. And so they are focused on helping their members. They're not just in business to, to make a buck. They are, they are owned by their members. So that philosophy comes through to our organization. And especially in this case here, uh, with the Sheep and Goat Innovation Fund, what we're able to do is help people, we'll, we'll, we'll get calls for a loan. And they're really not sure you know, what they're needing. And some of the first things we'll ask them to do is, is make contact with various either organizations or specialists in their area. You know, get more information and we'll help them walk through the whole process up to when they finally apply for a loan if they think that's the best thing for them to do. So we get a lot of calls. We have a lot of uh, uh, interaction with other organizations. I mentioned ASI. Uh, you know, the GOAT organizations are, are great resources for these folks. Cooperative Extension. I mean, the good thing about, uh, you were talking about technology earlier, and it, it can complicate things, but think about how much more information that we have at our fingertips now than 20 years ago. And so if we can help them become better informed producers or innovators, that's going to help us be better lenders for them. Well, there, there I, th I think, in my experience, we've had this moment where we are, I said earlier, typewriter versus computer, but it's really typewriter versus the cell phone in a way. That generationally speaking, we're, we're having a point where we're coming two different parties in agriculture. There's the drone farmers that's going to check with the drone, and then there's the guy that goes out and feels the dirt and kind of knows it. It's almost like a whole different, they're two different industries at some point in time. And they both have value, yep. and yet at some point the technology is going to make the basics of farming very, very difficult to keep up with. You know, downstairs they were talking about genetics and how you're going to 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 test for certain traits that are going to make you more competitive and really make a difference in what you can market and how mm -hmm. soon you can bring it to market. So. Do you think that the fund is going to target that in the future, either, either, either trying and encourage the members that need a little bit of support that way, or that that are heading warp speed on their own? What, do you think? What do you think is the direction there? Well, I think the direction is is pretty much in the name of our entity, which is the Sheep and Goat Innovation Fund. That's that's in our mission when it was created and as I say, in the late 1990s, they wanted to focus on helping the industry become more innovative and creative, you know, because the future is always going to be changing. And so even though those, those, those deep-rooted traditions are so important, you take that and combine it with some of the technological advances we've had, some of the tools that we have now that we never had before. You mentioned drones. What a great way, you know, to, to, to do a lot of things. But Let's talk about the sheep and goat industries. What a great way to monitor herds, even if you if uh, if you want to look at it that way. So you know, it's I think it's very much a marriage of let's keep the you know the grassroots values and traditions and the things that have worked for the industry and made it sustainable for you know decades. Let's just enhance that somewhat and and, and bring technology to help even improve those traditions. So, so now tell me a little bit about yourself. And have you always been with this organization, or what do you do? <laughs> Who are you? Tell me that. Um, I've been in the livestock industry my entire life. My family, uh, cattle ranchers in north central Colorado, and then later in northwestern Montana. So I come from the, the cattle side of it a little bit more, and, and the livestock marketing side. I've been with National Livestock Producers for almost 34 years. Wow. So I, it's deep-rooted in, in what we do is... is you know, the livestock business, the livestock people, the livestock culture, 
we're, we're very deeply ingrained in that. Yeah, Colorado is a very livestock-oriented place. Most people think, oh, skiing and beer, and the right. boys are That's a right. lot of agriculture. Go to Weld County, and you'll know. Yeah. Yeah. So, are, are, what is what is your near and dear to your heart thing that you really, if you die, you can say, ah, I would love to have thought I made a difference in that way. What would that be? Well. And this is going to be non-business related. It's, it can be non-business related. Okay. I'm fine well, with that. And it is. It's still, I come from the livestock industry. And one of the things I've also been very involved in and, and, and is near and dear to my heart is rodeo. I grew up as a, as a rodeo contestant. I have a son that rodeoed professionally for many years. But Bulls then, or Bronx? Uh, Bronx. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, but in my time off time in Colorado Springs, uh, I've been very in, involved with our professional rodeo there than the, the uh, Pike Speaker Bus Rodeo, which is one of the largest in the country. And to bring, you know, your, your love for the livestock industry, which is, that's where it's showcased for the public, truly. And to bring that and uh, share that with our community and, and with the country is, is one part of it. But the bigger, I think the, the bigger part of that passion is we put on that rodeo in Colorado Springs to generate income that we provide to the charities in the area that are specific to the military families. So we're very much ingrained with the military community in Colorado Springs. Yeah, my, my dad used to hit the rodeo circuit, but he, he was a, he wanted to be a rancher. He was a doctor that really had, should have been born a rancher. And oh. he would go to the to the National Western and the oh, cool. shows in Nevada and, and Idaho. What did he do? He, Herefords, he yeah. wanted to Herefords in Nevada. So uh, okay. he, but he, yeah, he definitely did like rodeo shows. People don't understand yeah. how much of a connection there is oh, between the rodeos and agricultural shows. No doubt about it. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, yeah. Well, you couldn't you couldn't ask for a better state to do that kind of thing, could you? Yeah, that's right. That's a, I, if I had to move one place, I have to tell you, Colorado, Colorado would be it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Gorgeous. Pretty nice. Just it beautiful. Is. Yeah. Wonderful. Except for all the Californians. Are <laughs> you knew that was going to come. Yeah, I did. So. Thanks, Sam. Just like lambing. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe. This is how we keep going. And please ask your friends to join us. Please also feel free to post any comments or questions to our social media sites. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under Backyard Green Films. Thanks again for listening. We love to bring you this podcast every week. We visit places all across the country and even a few places outside the U.S. We'd love to keep doing this as long as we can, but holy cow, gas is expensive. So we've started up a Patreon account. If you'd like to help be a part of the stories you hear, we'd love your support, feedback, and suggestions. If you'd like to make that financial support, please follow the Patreon links in our podcast intro for more information. Every little bit is another mile we can put on the road to bring you the conversations we hope you enjoy. We want to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. We would like to thank Scott for joining us today. If you'd like more information about this organization, please visit the National Livestock Producers Association website. The link will be in our podcast bio. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next episode with another adventure.
You have been listening to Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Please tune in for more upcoming episodes from our travels. I'm Rick Bowman, your behind-the-scenes editor. Until next time. This has been a presentation of Backyard Green Films Productions, All Rights Reserved. Copyright 2022.